The Grandmother Stories Seeking Light in Dark Times Hello, I'm Katherine Matheson. Writer, grandmother, crone, aspiring wise woman. I've walked this earth through six decades and even the fools among us can see the situation in this world that our children will inherit is dire. This podcast is for my grandchildren to share my deepest secrets, the lessons I've learned, and the brilliant pieces of incredible joy I've managed to find even in my darkest hours. I'm sending this out to all of you, dear grandchildren, because I know you have come into this life with a purpose, just like every single child on the planet today. It's easy to forget sometimes that your voice, your gifts, your insights, your presence in the world matters. The world needs your light because we are all seeking light in dark times. Episode 11. Make a wish, but first, know what you long for. Dear grandchildren, what is your secret wish? Something you have never said out loud. I'm not asking whether you want that bike or that beach holiday, or this great dress or those cool shoes or even the best, newest, great game. I'm not talking about anything in the make-you-happy-for-a-month-or-so category. I want you to go deeper, past the wish-on-a-star, past the blow-out-your-birthday-candles, past the coin-in-the-fountain wishes. When it's all laid bare, when you have come to the core of your being, what wish do you hold most dear? This is the place where longing lives. Every human has it, a longing for something. Longing is a unique blend of emotions, including love and happiness and a kind of sadness. The love and happiness is in the knowing the thing you long for exists, even if only in your mind. The sadness is in the knowing you do not yet have the thing you wish for. It can get very complicated if you let it, but if you understand that love and happiness and a kind of sadness is what you feel, then you will know that this is the thing you're longing for. This is how you recognize your secret wish. Here is an example of longing. Most of us can understand the feeling of being homesick, that feeling you get when you've traveled a long way and you just wish you were back home. There are lots of words in different languages describing homesickness, and my favorite is hyamthra, which means, according to author Guy Gavriel Kay, quote, Hyamthra was the word used for longing, for home, for the past, for things to be as they once had been. Even the gods were said to know that yearning from when the worlds were broken, end quote. 
This idea of worlds being broken speaks volumes for me. I mean, our world right now feels broken in so many ways, and when we wish the world to once more be what it could be, to become more like what it once might have been, well, that is a powerful longing. Did you know there are some who wish they were as far away from home as they could possibly get? There is such a thing as far sickness. Talia Guten writes about something called Fernway, which is the word for the opposite of homesickness. Fernway means far sickness, which is, she says, quote, a need to experience a place that is as far from where we are as it is possible to go, end quote. Which of these best describes your secret wish? Are you filled with hyamthra, a longing for home? Or are you a person most attuned to fernway, a need to get as far away from home as it is possible to go? And what happens to you, dear grandchildren, if you get to your deepest, most innermost part of yourself and you find that you are filled with hyamthra and fernway in equal measure? When you look up at the night sky and wish you were able to go there, out to the stars, as far as your soul can take you. But you also feel a draw to get to a place on this earth, a place green and dancing with joy that you have not yet managed to find. Well, dear grandchildren, when you are both homesick and farsick, you have no choice but to wander you may not feel at home where you are. But deep inside, you know there is a place for you, a home that is calling to you, and you have a deep inner knowing that someday you will find this place. And so, you search. Growing up, my family had no roots. My father was an only child, adopted, and not close to his parents. My mother's family was small and shrouded in secrets. All we had in the way of roots were a few details about my mother's paternal grandparents who were both from Ireland. Three living grandparents, a couple of aunts and uncles, and a handful of cousins figure large in my childhood. But they all lived somewhere else, and we moved from town to town, following my father's expanding career. I was eight years old before we lived anywhere longer than a year. It's perhaps a pretty typical story for families in North America in the 1960s, a time when the past was something to be left behind, and the future was a happy one, all shiny, and nothing like what came before. Not for me, though. As a kid, I remember wishing for a big, beautiful family house, a place with a big yard and surrounded by big trees, a place where my great-great-great-grandparents had lived, and I knew their names, and I knew their stories. I wished for a close-knit and wide circle of family that all knew me, I wished to be surrounded by people who understood me and cared for me, 
and included me in family celebrations. I wished to be surrounded by many, many childhood friends that I could run and play with from dawn until dusk, laughing and singing and joking together for days on end. Instead, I rarely felt as if I belonged anywhere. I learned to keep my head down, work hard, and try my best. That longing for a green place dancing with joy dimmed, and through the better part of 40 years, I began to let it go. Until one day in 2018, when I had an opportunity to travel to Ireland. Well, first, I attended a wedding that I had been invited to in northern England, but then I boarded a ferry and headed for Ireland. Dear grandchildren, here is how it feels when both Hyamthra and Fernway are being answered in your soul, when your homesickness and your farsickness is cured, when you are at last coming to the place that has been calling to you since the day you were born and possibly long before even that. Standing on the deck of that ferry, from the first moment I sighted Ireland on the horizon, I felt as if I were floating ten feet above myself. A warmth in my heart spread through my limbs, and a deep sigh of happiness grew into a long, silent shout of mad joy that raced through my veins. And for the next ten days, I was home. But I was not seeking the cities or the villages or even the castles of Ireland. I was not interested in the cottages or the rolling countryside or to learn about the centuries of documented historical struggles. As fascinating as these things are, all I wanted was to stand in the ancient sacred green places. I spent a whole day on the hill of Tara, which is a 40-minute drive to the north and west of Dublin. Buses and cars came and went at the car park, and people streamed past me as I stood there, laid on the grass, wandered across the wide, sloping ring fort, visited the fairy trees, and poured out an offering of Jameson's Irish whiskey for the ancestors. You can read about the history of this place in the links provided here, but for me, the history and the cars and the people who were there all faded into the background that day. The thinness of the place was so palpable, it seemed there was an entire dimension echoing all around me. Whispers and sighs and shouts of joy rang all around me. There was a thumping in my chest and a caress of wind on my face that came not from centuries but from millennia long past. Circles of connection like pearls on an infinite strand hovered around me until I glimpsed the timber of the circular forts of each wrath as they once stood including the huge house of Cormac. One of the pearls opened and became a doorway, and I stepped through into a time and place 
never forgotten. A place I was allowed to visit, but only as an unseen witness, and not as one fully embodied as I once was. A guide stepped forward, introduced herself as Dayrin. She drew me back to Terra as it was in her lifetime, one ancient evening as the rain fell. I want you to fill yourself up with the energy of this place as it was at least 3,000 years before your time, she said. This feeling is deep and joyful, and there's a rich, rich kind of thrumming feeling beginning to pulse through me. The air is alive with birds singing, even as the sun is setting, and the rain is cold, and this place is teeming with energy, and there are many, many people around, and there are sparks of light flickering everywhere, and there is the sense of raucous, joyful cacophony, people and birds and many other beings all calling their greetings out into the night. There are many star beings here, and many other kinds of beings besides, said Dayrin. You would know them as elementals, of the wood, the earth, the sky, the rain, and of course, the animals. Many had traveled from far-off distances to be here for this celebration, of this particular time of the year, she told me. I had come from a day in September, but this celebration was on a day in February, a day of the turning of the year, not towards the darkness of the coming fall season, but towards the light of the coming spring. I am walking with her now, and I can see there are many homes, all of them round and beautiful, and all of them half-buried, hill homes, but also all dominated by the massive structure of Cormac's home. Its rafters must be huge to hold such a large, round, wooden palace together. This is the moment you have connected to, on this spot, as you visited this site you know as the Hill of Tara, said Dayrin. The star friends are here to honor our mother with us, and we will travel to their homes in a few days to help them with their celebrations, for we are connected this way with them too. We strengthen each other across the distance, yet we are independent and we hold our sovereignty apart. Are you ready to go inside? I am suddenly nervous. Don't worry, she said. I will be shielding you. This is an important part of your journey. As I walk in with her, I am struck by the noise and the clamor, the smells and the sights. They fill me with an ache that almost breaks me in two with longing. I am a part of it all again, but I am no longer fully there. Somehow, this fills me with both intense gratitude and intense sadness. There is music and laughter, and I can hear stories being told, songs are being sung, and there is dancing in the center of everything. I can see there are quiet pockets of conversation and debate, but mostly, I see people celebrating with playful abandon. I am surprised at the difficulty I have telling the men from the women. Everyone has long hair, and they are dressed similarly with pants and tunics and leggings, and their teeth are flashing and white as they smile, and their expressions are kind. And then I realize 
Most of the men have beards or at least a mustache. They seem to glow as they urge each other on to play, to talk, to dance, and to laugh. Touching my shoulder, she leads me outside once more into the rain. Standing outside that great round palace that was filled with celebrating clans, I experienced a rush of knowing what it had felt like to be a part of this society. To have grown up here, to live in this beautiful great round house with miles of fields and forest that stretched as far as the eye could see in all directions. This is the place where my great-great-great-grandparents had lived, and I knew each of their names, and I knew each of their stories. I was a part of a close-knit and wide circle of family that all knew me. I had been surrounded by people who understood me and cared for me and included me in family celebrations. I had grown up surrounded by many, many childhood friends that I could run and play with from dawn until dusk, laughing and singing and joking together for days on end. And then Dayrin touched my shoulder again. And suddenly, I was again standing on the hill of Tara on a September afternoon, and it was only my second day in Ireland. But I was still floating at least ten feet above myself, and that feeling would last for my whole time there, through many more experiences in the ancient sacred places. Dear grandchildren, wherever you are called, or however you find your way to it, I have no doubt there is a place on this planet where you feel most comfortable and most at home. If you have found it already, that is wonderful. If you have yet to find that place, take heart. Really, I mean, take a look inside your heart and feel that sense of longing that you hold. Are you experiencing Hemthra or Fernway or a little of both? Understanding the difference between homesickness and farsickness and which you're feeling may be the first step for you in finding your way home. Be it near or far, dear grandchildren, I wish you all the joys of home and all the joys of far away that you may long for, and I wish them for you now and always. Thank you for listening to Episode 11 of The Grandmother Stories. I'm Catherine Matheson, writer, grandmother, crone, aspiring wise woman. See you soon. This podcast is for my grandchildren. To share my deepest secrets, the lessons I've learned, and the brilliant pieces of incredible joy that I've managed to find, even in my darkest hours. I'm sending this out to all of you, dear grandchildren, because I know you have come into this life with a purpose. Just like 
every single child on the planet today. It's easy to forget sometimes that your voice, your gifts, your insights, and your presence in the world matters. The world needs your light because we are all seeking light in dark times.